Good morning, Marietta, Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're glad that you could join us this Sabbath morning. The sun's been great this week. There's been such wonderful weather with rain and sunshine, and we're excited to worship and thank God for the blessings that He has given us. We encourage you to continue giving and sharing your blessings with those around you. You can share your blessings monetarily with the church by going to the Adventist Giving app on your phone, going to the church website and clicking on the giving spot, or just simply mail in a check to the church office. We look forward to the time that we can get together again. And guess what? Just two weeks and counting. So the countdown is on for the times that we can be together. Look in your email and you can see a whole description of how our church will be getting together soon. Thank you again and welcome to worship. Happy Sabbath. I'm so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. And if this is your first time joining the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church, we're glad that you're here. Uh, this is one of the last virtual weeks of church, and I can't wait until June 27th when we get to worship together right here in the sanctuary. This morning, throughout the message, there are opportunities to interact and respond together. So if you're watching on Vimeo, feel free to pause and talk with those that you're watching with. And if you're watching on the Facebook premiere, then please enjoy the interaction and comment in the comment sec section together. And as we begin this morning, I invite you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we think about your consistency, as we think about your goodness, may we understand your love for us in a deeper way. May we know you better at the end of this time in Jesus' name. Amen. If you know me at all, you know that I have a sweet tooth. In fact, I really have a sweet tooth. I can eat anything that is sweet. Chocolate, cupcakes, Snickers, Milky Way, Twizzlers, dried mangoes, apple pie with vanilla ice cream melting on top, any kind of cake or cobbler or crisp. Mm, it makes me hungry just thinking about it. But my go-to dessert is cookies. I love me some cookies, peanut butter cookies, white macadamia nut cookies, chocolate chip cookies, oatmeal raisin cookies. I've never met a cookie I didn't like. And some of my favorite cookies are from Betty Crocker. Now she makes a whole bunch of cookies and they come in packages like these. Now these are chocolate chip cookies and these are delicious, but my favorite, all time favorite Betty Crocker cookies are the double chocolate chunk cookies. Oh my word, they are little pieces of heaven in your mouth. Their chocolatey goodness is good as cookies or it's good as dough, and they're fantastic. Now typically you have to bake them, but they're so easy to make. You have to add one egg, you have to add one quarter cup of oil, and you have to add two tablespoons of water. Now in the fine print underneath the instructions, it says, if it is too dry, 
add one to two tablespoons of water. You have to have the right consistency when you make these cookies in order for the cookies to come out just right. See, Betty Crocker, she knew the exact recipe, the perfect plan to make batter, the perfect consistency to become these awesome cookies that melt in your mouth. Now we're talking consistency here, like the properties that hold things together, the right amount of water, the right amount of oil, the right amount of eggs and powder to have everything combined to make the perfect consistency. But let's think about consistency for a minute. Betty Crocker's consistency. She wanted in every batch of these cookies ever made, she wanted a consistent consistency so that every cookie that ever came out of the oven would be exactly the same. That you could count on it every single time. That the cookie you're eating now is the exact same as the one you'll eat later, as the one that you ate earlier. Consistent. Now I know that I'm not the only one that loves me some cookies. So for the next 30 seconds, I'd like you to talk with those that are around you or maybe comment in the comment section and answer this question. What kind of cookie is your favorite? Cookies are delicious, whether they are chocolate chip or oatmeal raisin or lemon cookies, but they're the best when they're consistent, the same cookie every single time. It doesn't matter which one you pick up, you know it will be as good as the last and as good as the next. You can count on it. You know it's consistent. And when I look at God, I see a consistent God, not a cookie baker God, but one that is as consistent as Betty Crocker cookies. I see a consistent God that you can count on. He continues patiently, never giving up on me, but consistently loving me, consistently encouraging me, consistently prodding me, consistently forgiving me. God is absolutely consistent. In fact, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 3.18, he tells us all about it. He says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is consistent. You can count on him. What he's done in the past yesterday, he's doing for us now today. And he will keep doing it until the end of time. You can count on him. When he makes a promise, he's going to keep it. When he tells you that he'll be there for you, he will. When he tells you that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, he will. When he tells you that he has plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, he's going to do it. You can count on him. From Genesis to Revelation, he's the same God. From the story of creation to the cross to the second coming, he's the same God, a God that loves you more than anything. He never changes. He never fails. He never stops loving you. He is consistent. When I was a undergrad student at Southern Adventist University, I took a class called Introduction to Ministry. It was taught by a professor named Doug Tilstra, a wonderful man that I see Jesus in every time I'm around him. The class had a retreat at the end of the semester where we went to a cabin to go do some good heart work. 
And on Sabbath morning, it snowed. It was beautiful. The, the countryside, the mountains were white. And Pastor Tilstra led us through an activity on Sabbath morning that I would encourage you to do. He gave us each a pack of sticky notes. And he asked us to spend one hour alone in a place where all we could hear was our breath. He asked us to write down every important event in our lives. It didn't matter what order we, they came to our mind. We just wrote them down whenever we could remember them. Your baptism, uh, when you moved to a different home, when your parents got divorced, when you experienced something special with a friend, everything. And then he had us take the sticky notes and put them in order on a timeline. And after we had done that, he asked us to look across the timeline to see God's hand moving in our lives. And the goal was for us to feel an almighty calling to ministry. And boy, did it work. As I looked over the events in my life, I saw not only God's hand moving and directing me into pastoral ministry, but I saw his incredible consistency. He was with me before I was born to every step of my life to where I am today. He's always so consistent. And for the next 30 seconds, in the comment section or with those that you're watching with, answer this question. Where have you seen God's consistency in your life? When I think of the consistency of God, the way he leads throughout your entire life from before you were born, through every heartache and struggle, through every celebration and joy, it reminds me of the plan and consistency of God throughout the story of Moses. Moses is one of my favorite Bible heroes and one of the first people that I'd like to have a long talk with in heaven about leadership. I mean, what a guy. He had direct contact with God, and he led two and a half million people through the desert. I mean, that's unbelievable. But what's more unbelievable is God's consistency through his life. And as you see it, you can always count on him to work his plan for your life too. See if you can see God's consistent movement through the very first part of Moses' life. A long time ago, God made a promise to a man named Abraham that his descendants would outnumber the stars of the sky. And through this family, God would bring a special blessing to the entire world. And it just so happens that Abraham had a great-grandson named Joseph that lived in Egypt. We know his story pretty well as he begins to climb the ranks in the leadership of Egypt. Pretty soon, he's the second in command only to Pharaoh for the whole nation. There's a famine that happens in the land, but because God is a consistent planner, Egypt had plenty of food. Now, Joseph had 11 brothers that came to Egypt. And Joseph's family grew larger and larger, and they became known as the Israelites. Now, 400 years later, there's a new pharaoh that's in power, and he began to look around and notice how large the Israelites had gotten, and he began to worry. What would happen if Egypt went to war, and the Israelites decided to fight with the enemy? He couldn't have that, so he decided to make them his slaves. 
He made them make bricks to build cities and temples and even pyramids. They'd take the mud and they'd mix it with straw and they'd put it in forms to bake in the sun until it was hardened. Pharaoh, he put taskmasters in charge that would whip the slaves, the Israelites, if they stopped working. His thinking was, well, you know what? Eventually they'll die off from all the hard manual labor, but they didn't. They just continued to grow. So Pharaoh came up with a new plan. He ordered all the midwives to kill the baby boys that were born. But that didn't work, but because who would kill a baby? I mean, they're just babies. Everybody loves babies. And so Pharaoh gave the order to have all the baby boys thrown into the Nile River. Well, it just so happened that there was a woman named Jochebed that had a baby boy during this time, and she already had a daughter named Miriam. And after a few months of trying to keep her baby from crying and hidden, Jochebed took a basket and she covered it with pitch and tar to make it waterproof. And then she put her son in the basket and she took him down to the edge of the Nile River and she gently let the basket bob against the cattails and the, the, the taller plants along the edge. She went back home, but Miriam stayed to watch over Moses. And Miriam, she wasn't the only one watching. God, who consistently has a plan for each and every one of our lives, he was watching too because he's so consistent. When he's got a plan, he sticks with it. When everyone else is unsure and doubts, God is consistent. His plans always succeed. And as Miriam wonders about what will happen, she, she hears voices coming down to the river. She begins to look around to see what the trouble is, but she realizes it's the princess of Egypt and her servant girl. Now the princess girl, or the princess might have been coming down to the river, river to bathe, but as she gazes across the river, she sees this basket floating along the edge. So she asks her servant girl to bring the basket, and when she brings the basket to the princess, Moses begins to cry. Now we've all been around crying babies. I've held a lot of babies, not just my own, but I can't tell you how many baby dedications I've done, and it never fails. As soon as the parents pass their baby over to me to hold them while I pray, the, ba the baby begins to cry. Maybe it's because they miss their mommy, or maybe it's because they look up and they see some random bald guy holding them, but almost always, without fail, they begin to cry. And I don't blame them, because babies want their mommies. So as the princess finds Moses, he begins to cry, and she realizes he's probably hungry and wants his mommy. But there's nothing that she could do, and Miriam realizes that this is her opportunity. So she runs over to the princess, and she says, I know someone that could feed your baby. And the princess says, oh, please go and get this woman. So Miriam runs and gets her mom, Jochebed, to feed Moses. The plan had worked. Jochebed's plan had saved her son. And it had worked. He wasn't killed like the rest of the boys. Her plan had worked. But more importantly, God's plan had worked. He'd chosen Moses from before he was born to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, and out of slavery. God didn't want his people to be slaves. And his plan worked. And God is a consistent God with a plan for your life and my life, just like he had a plan for Moses' life. And his plan is so consistent. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our lives are a whole lot like the lives of the Israelites. You see, every single one of us are slaves too. In fact, Jesus says in John 8, chapter, chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, he says this, 
Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Everybody sins. Any any sinners there here this morning that are listening to this? For a split second, I thought, you know what? I'll put 30 seconds for you to write your sin in the comment section just to prove that we're all slaves to sin. But I definitely think that's a bad idea, so I'm not going to ask you to do that. We don't need to do that to know that we're all sinners and that we are all slaves. All of us have sinned, which means that we are all slaves to sin. But the beauty of God's consistency is that He is the same. He's the same God today and forever as He was back then with the Israelites in their slavery. And just like he had a plan to bring a baby into the world, Moses, to be brought up as an Egyptian, to grow into a leader of God's people and to take them into the freedom that God wanted to give them, God has an incredible plan, had an incredible plan for another baby to be born in a manger, to grow and minister to people, to understand his purpose and to eventually die on a cross to take the punishment for our sins so that we can no longer be slaves, but to be free. And God's plan to save us is written in the most well-known Bible verse, John 3.16, and it says, you know this verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God is such a good God. He's a planner, a consistent planner that shows his love to us in such consistent ways as he continually leads us in every moment of our lives. He's a good father that from before the beginning of the world knew what it would take to save a fallen race. He knew that it would cost him his son in order to make sinners his sons and daughters. What a father. What a good, good father. And as you listen to this song, maybe you'll sing along with it, but may you contemplate and revel in the love of the father as seen through his son, Jesus. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleasing that I never You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, I. Searching for answers, 
While all of us are slaves because of sin, it's because of Jesus that we can be free. It's because of Jesus that we don't have to be slaves. It's because of Jesus that we no longer have to be bound by the chains of sin, by the fetters that bind us in habits and struggles. It's because of Jesus that we can be free at last. On August 28, 1963, Pastor Martin Luther King Jr. participated in a massive march on Washington, D.C. in an effort to end racism. And on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, King began to preach. And towards the end of his message, he said these words, these most famous words that you've heard before. He says, Let freedom ring 
from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, but let freedom ring from Stone Mountain in Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain in Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill in Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, we will all be able to hold hands and sing the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. And I can't wait for the day where we can join hands in heaven. Every color of person, every age, every gender of person where we can join hands together and sing praises of the consistent God that never changes, that had a plan for His people in Egypt and had a plan for His people today to free us all from the bondage of sin. And it's then that we can all say together, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. May you find peace, confidently trusting God that His consistent plan will give you victory. May you trust the consistent God through trial and struggle. And may you sing with your whole heart, It is well with my soul. Thank you.